Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Championship Effort Podcast, Episode 4, The Quest for a Better Life in the Context of Reality. I'm John Scromolo, the host of the Championship Effort Podcast, and we thank you for tuning in because you are looking to learn, lead, and win. Today's show should be very useful as we will be discussing things that will help us all lead a happier and healthier life. We all have days where as leaders we're not at our best and we have room for improvement And the goal is to be firing on all cylinders more times than not so we can bring energy to our team and lead by example. Today's guest is an 11-year veteran as a history teacher and coach at Clay High School in Green Cove Springs, Florida. He coaches football and boys and girls weightlifting at Clay High School, and he also teaches the AP histories, world and European. He's a super dad to, to three youngins, and he is a fitness and a life improvement and, to me, a get-better junkie. He's always looking at ways to improve. He's a student of human behavior, behavior excuse me, performance, and the process of improvement, and uh, he's a lifelong learner. And today our goal is that our listeners will have one takeaway that can improve their lives, and uh, Rodney Keller is a guy that definitely has enough information that we all can benefit from. And I'm really excited to have him on the show today. Coach Keller, welcome to the show. Dude, thank you so much for reaching out, John. I appreciate it, man. I'm fired up about it and ready to talk. Absolutely. We, uh, you know, uh, I've just seen you uh, over the past, you know, that whole time you were at Clay High School, you know, from 2007 until now. I'm a a Clay High School graduate of 2008. So I got to experience uh, being around you for a year or so before – before I kind of went off and, and did my thing with baseball and all that, and then came back and we kind of worked together as well. Uh, the years that I was at Clay High School, and I really admired how you went about your business when it came to instructing student athletes, and uh, and more than that, how you went about your personal business. You know, every, every time I would see you working out in the gym or you know talking to people, consulting with people about what was going on in their lives. Uh, you just have a really positive outlook and a, a real improvement approach to things. And uh, I think today is going to be a great day for our listeners. So, Coach, tell us a little bit about, about your background and kind of how you got started. Yeah, actually, I, uh, the funny thing is, man, you know, I, I went to Clay. I graduated from Clay. And uh, when I graduated from here, it certainly was not my, my life plan to come back and teach mm-hmm. and coach here. Not that I was, you know, opposed to that in any way, shape, and form. I just thought, you know, you graduated, you went on, you did your thing, you come back if not, if something, you know, uh, paves the way for that. But if not, no big deal. You know, it was definitely not a, a life plan of mine to come back to Green Cove Springs, but it's been nothing but a blessing uh, to me and my family, you know, to do so. I uh, when I graduated from high school, every like my, my entire existence was about football, man. When I was in high school, it really was. It, it consumed me. It was my identity. It was it was what I did on a day to day basis, you know, and. Uh, being 17 and 18, sometimes you, you lose sight of the big picture and where you really stand in regards to all of that and how the recruitment process works. You know, big schools weren't exactly beating down the door at, you know, 5'11", 200-pound <laughs> guys that run 4'9". Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, my GPA didn't exactly – I was no Rhodes Scholar, man. I wasn't, you know, a turd in the classroom by any means, but I wasn't a Rhodes Scholar either, man. And it's so – you know, when it went, came to that, I was the first one in my family to really – go to college. I didn't know how the process worked and all of that kind of stuff. So I went to a division two school in, uh, in West Virginia, West Virginia state. So you know, I get up there, I'm starting by week three. It's so, so man, you know, I was so blessed to be here at clay and high school and be surrounded by such good coaches and it's such a great program. And then I went off to a smaller school and it 
be perfectly honest with you, it wasn't, wasn't everything I expected mm-hmm. it to be. Um, you know, I came back, I, I, like I said, I, I started three games in my freshman season. I played five games and tore my ACL. Well, nothing special there. Same song and dance for a lot mm-hmm. of people, right? So I, uh, so the next season I come back, I'm training, I'm rehabbing it, I'm going to therapy, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, come back, and I'm like, oh, I got all these goals for my second season, this is what I want to do. So I play three games of that second season, and I get a staph infection in, in my uh, left in, uh, toenail that was ingrown, and it traveled into my knee and got into my wow. bloodstream. So with that, I mean, I'm on hospital for 10 days, you know, I'm in the hospital for 10 days, I'm dropping weight like crazy. You know, you have another knee surgery on top of the one I already had, and it was just time to come home. And the biggest issue to me and crisis in my life at that point was that football had been my existence. You know what I mean? It's what I did. Like, it was my purpose, man. It was like, you know what I mean? It was what I looked forward to every day. And like, it's like I said, it was just something that was such an integral part of my life playing sports to me. I also wrestled in high school playing sports to me. was like, it was my motivation, man. Again, it was my purpose. Yeah, I can definitely definitely uh, attest to that, you know, like getting out of, when you get out of professional baseball, you know, you, you know, at someday, someday all that's going to end. And then I think a lot of athletes go through that, whether it's high school seniors, you know, both of us being coaches, we see this every single year, every senior night, you know, the guys are just in, in tears or the girls, they're just in tears. And it's, uh, it's kind of scary when you don't really know what's next. No, it really is. And that's the thing, man, being a young person, you know, my parents, my, my mom was always on me about grades and my teachers at Clay High here were always on me about my grades, but it was always, it, you know, to be perfectly honest with not much use of being anything else. I didn't take care of business in high school in my grades. And that's one of the, my biggest regrets looking back is that I didn't, I wasn't that guy in high school that sat up the front in the middle of the classroom. You know, and I, I tell my kids that all the time. I say, look, don't be like me, be a lot better than me. And here's how you do that. You know what I mean? You sit up front in the middle of the classroom and you ask the questions and there's smoke coming mm-hmm. off your notepad, you know, and kind of going back to that, you know, when I kind of went through a couple of injuries. Going on in the world. And it actually, you know, when you look back at that kind of stuff, I think it was a really crucial moment in my life that made me sit back and realize, okay, I don't get to do this forever. What else am I going to do? What else can my plans possibly be, you know? And uh, I came home, though, man, and I was a lost puppy for a while, dude. I was in a full-blown, like, identity crisis, man. I, I did, and like I said, because it, it was just something that drove me to get out of bed every day and something I looked forward to. And uh, luckily, Coach Reed was the head coach here at Clay at the time, and I reached out to him. I said, Coach, man, I don't know if you even need any help, what, how much help I'd be, but I'd be so grateful if you let me come out to help with practice. And he was all about it, man. And I, I we came out, it was 2003 at the time. They had a super special team here at Clay. And uh, I was so gracious that he let me come out and help that season. And I realized that very first year, coming back to coach a little bit, that that's definitely what I wanted to do with my life. Right. So since then, you know, so since then, you know, we, uh, you've been at Clay and uh, you've kind of talked, I noticed you've, you know, taken over the girls' weightlifting program. You know, talk about that a little bit as well. Oh my God. It is. They are a freaking blast, man. You know, like I said, I, I was here for, uh, for nine years and I'd coached under Jay Stillano and kind of taken notes from him for a long time about the strength programs and weightlifting and all of that stuff. And, uh, I was blessed enough to have him, you know, pass on his strength programs to me here at clay. And they are a ton of fun, man. I, I just don't, I personally, again, because I'm a weightlifting and strength program guy, I don't know what teaches process better than a bar that has a certain amount of weight on it and doesn't care, you know, what school you went to, what color your skin <laughs> is, what church you go to. That 95 pounds is 95 pounds. You know what I mean? That, right. that 350 
315. And it ne- is never going to lie to you. And there's just some, something so just brutally honest and respectable about it that it's, it's a, it's a really fun thing to be a part of. It teaches process to kids in a totally different way than I could really fully articulate. Yeah. Now when you, um, let me ask you this, when you, when did you personally, like, like not as a, not necessarily as a high school coach, but just you as Rodney, when did you have the kind of revelation as far as personal development, as far as like physically, you know, as far as, you know, really digging into the research as it comes to body physique and, and maybe not physique as much as a bodybuilder, more as just general health and fitness. When, when did that kind of happen? Man, I've always been a junkie in regards to that. My dad is straight up 1980s, like bodybuilder, classic. This is Lou, how you Lou, eat. Lou, yeah, Lou you... Ferrigno, yeah. Oh, dude, classic. Listen, man, I grew up on freaking Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, dude. Like, that was <laughs> my deal. 1980s, meathead, classic action. Bro. Like, that was what I was raised on. Right. Golden pro wrestling, the entire thing, you know. And like I said, the older I've gotten, just the more I've, I've always been into it. I've always nerded out to it. I really always have. But the difference was, I feel like as I went through my late teens and early 20s and mid 20s, I started to see success in regards to that carry over into all the other aspects of that was the biggest deal to me was I started to say, like, look, if I had the discipline to get up and do this every day and to eat this certain way and to train a certain way, like I really started feeling that discipline and regimen start to carry over in different aspects of life. And then from there, man, it just went, it, it just all spiraled out of control in yeah. a good positive way. Oh, no question. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely something that I want to want to, you know, follow up with here in just a second is, is how that discipline is going to affect and, and help our lives. So Last, you know, lastly about your background and, and kind of the future, you know, so you, you've been coaching and teaching for over, you know, over 10, over 10 years now. And, you know, is that your plan to keep going? You got some other plans in, in the future or what's going on? Man, you know, it's funny you bring that up. Cause I, you know, it, I, I kind of felt like year 10, I was at a little bit of a professional crossroads, you know, I was like, you know, what do I want to do? Do I want to keep teaching and coaching? Cause I love what I do, man. And I hope that's apparent to all the kids that come through my classroom and even their parents, you know, that they come home, they're getting stories from their kids every day. And then the kids that uh, play sports here for us. Uh, but again, I was, man, I kind of sat down and said, do I want to go the admin route? I'm not really sure. I want to go back to school and do the master's program administration. You're going to make more money. But at the same time, I do love what I do on a day-to-day basis. You know, mm-hmm. like my, between I have such a great dynamic of my day. I've got kids in class that are going to hot, that are in high level classes. You know, they're top of their classes. They push me academically on the other end. I got the athletic end of it. And those kids are going to, I just have the outlets in my day right now set in place that I enjoy so much. I'm not ready to be out of the classroom. Right. The other end of it, it's like, okay, so now you have a full coaching load and a full teaching load. What else can you do to supplement income? Because you, you and I both know, buddy, like you're teaching and coaching. You're not going to be cash rich. You're just not. Uh, yeah. The other, yeah. End of that, the other end of that, you know, because, because of your, your coaching and how much time it requires, you're not going to be time rich either. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what can I do to find little ways to supplement income and make it work in the meantime? So right now, I mean, my big thing right now and over the last year is like cultivating this, this whole uh, Dawn Patrol dad and five a week fitness thing. I've been, like I said, I'm just playing with it right now. I'm throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what's, what sticks and then seeing what I can do to reach out. And like I said, just to help a little bit here and there and do some consults and things like that. And people walk away with a couple of pickups that help, you know, carry over different aspects of their life. 
Yeah, I've I've stuck uh, I've uh, stuck with reading five a week fitness, and I know you kind of got the blog thing going right now, and the the Dawn Patrol Dad. And uh, talk about that for a second. I think it's a really awesome name, Dawn Patrol Dad. You know, you got three kids, and uh, your wife Shelby. You guys do an awesome job parenting, man. I mean, I hopefully I can be a parent one day, and uh, you guys you guys just do a great job. So talk a little bit about how Dawn Patrol Dad came up. Yeah, John, I appreciate that, man. Well, first off, it combines like my most favorite things in the world. Like, you know, when you're when you're 20 and 25, you hear dad jokes from comedians and you don't, I mean, like you kind of chuckle, but you kind of don't really get it. Right. And then you have a kid and you have a second kid, you have a third kid. And seriously, man, they are, they're what life's about. There's no question about it. But let's be honest here too. Stress goes up with that. Responsibility mm-hmm. goes up with that. The work triples for every kid that you have. And it's just like the dad humor in addition to the fitness part of it. I was like, man, I got to give this a whirl. I got to see if I can make this work. You know what I mean? Right. And if there's nothing in my mind, like, look, there's a point in time in my life where I, I was super big into CrossFit. I left that out a little bit early. I should have totally included that. Whatever. We're all human here. Everybody poops. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I, I was really big into CrossFit for a little bit. And I, I just think it completely revolutionized fitness. Olympic weightlifting is big now. Powerlifting is big now. Just look at gym. Go look at the price of gym equipment right now compared to 15, 20 years ago. It is insane. And it's because of the CrossFit guys. Right. But where I, the thing that I respect most now, it's like, so you see a guy that's 20 years old, he's just a stud. You know what I mean? He's crushing it. He's CrossFit competitions and all these different physical feats he's capable of. And like, that's all great and grand and wonderful. But once you start having kids and you realize the amount of discipline and regiment that it takes in your life to get your butt out of bed at 4.30, 4.45 in the morning to go work out, to be a little bit better at life so you don't suck all day long for your family <laughs> and your career, dude, that is the most respectable thing that exists to me personally. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, I know, and I know. Listen, man, there's nothing special about me doing it. There's a lot of dads that I know that get up and do that kind of stuff in the morning because they know, like, that's their 30, 45 minutes built into their day, and they're going to get up and go do that because it's that important to them, you know? Yeah, I can tell you, for me personally, I mean, I, I, we don't, me and my wife, Callie, we don't have any kids yet. And, and just with my busy schedule as an athletic director, I mean, there's some days if I don't get up at 430 and go work out, it ain't happening. Right. I mean, it just, it just ain't happening with games after school and then, you know, well into the night and then getting home, it, it just ain't happening. So, so let, let, let's just start with, uh, let's start with morning routines. Cause you know, it's kind of a great segue. Um, you know, whether you're getting up at four 30 or, or you don't have to be at work until nine or whatever it is, you know, I, I think it's the consensus is with a lot of people that are successful is they have successful morning routines. So what are your, yeah, opi- yeah what are your opinions on, on morning routines? I know this, man. <laughs> I've done things the wrong way enough times to figure out what does and doesn't work. What doesn't work for me is, is any kind of electronics first thing in the morning, man. Like I really try to make every effort I can to not get on my cell phone and pull up social media and stay off the computer. You know, one of the things that I, I, I picked up in the last few years was going and buying a little, literally just a cheap little composition book or a journal or something to that effect and sitting down and starting your day with three things that you're grateful for. Like, it seriously, maybe it sounds like the cheesiest practice and there's not much validity to it. But I'm telling you, man, like you sit down and you start your day every day with three things that you are grateful for. It'll change your perspective, you know, in addition to that. So I so basically, like I said, I sat down and just kind of played with this template here and there. It was like, OK, three things that you're grateful for. And then something else I picked up was three, three people that you want to see have a great day today. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I think the uh, 
the uh, you know they say that the one of the one of my favorite quotes is the world's biggest disability is a bad attitude, and that's kind of a that's kind of the first step to making sure you're getting that good attitude right off the bat. Oh, there's no question, man. And seriously, it's like, look, man, how many people wake up and they're just like with their day? It's just you've got to take a second to train your perspective. It's like any other skill set. If you don't take time to cultivate that, you're never going to have it. You're mm-hmm. never going to have that stuff. And I talk about that with kids in class all the time, too. I'm like, guys, look, like, okay, so this happened to you and that happened to you. Okay, that's life. Like, how do you respond to those things? Like, you have to train perspective like you would any other life skill. Or it's not going to be there for you when you need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the questions I heard a couple of days ago about the same same thing we're talking about is, you know, someone said, you know, one of the ways to kind of help your mind in all these situations is ask yourself a year from now, is this going to matter? <laughs> you know, because yeah, I, I think we go through a lot of things throughout our day. And, uh, and, and you could even, you know, you could even train yourself where when you know you're going to have this absolutely slam packed day with no time. And I think sometimes I know me personally, I get anxious uh, when it comes to, if I know that I'm going to be so busy, it's like, okay, what's going to come what's going to come across the desk. That's going to derail me to where I'm not going to be able to get what I need to get done. And then you, it's this right. big snowball where you're like, then I'm not going to be successful and blah, 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 man, a year from now, this ain't going to matter. You know, it's, 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 it's all going to get done. Right. Yeah, man. And like I said, you guys from your dynamic, you, you're working from a totally different perspective. You know, your phone calls and emails all day in regards to that kind of stuff, man. And if you like I said, man, if you don't approach it with the right mindset, it's definitely going to throw, uh, throw a wrench in your day for sure. So so on top of the of the the the, uh, the gratitude and, uh, and and getting primed that way, what else what else can we do in the morning to help us out? Dude, I listen, the first thing you ought to do in the morning is drink a big glass of water and break out your notebook. I mean, think about it, you know, if you really want to see what happens to your hydration levels at night, just hop on a scale first thing in the morning and watch, pay attention to how much weight you float at night. Right. You know, a lot of guys, especially for male of the species, are probably floating somewhere between two and three pounds in a night. Female of the species, about half, roughly, and generally about half of that. You know, and how many people every single day go to emergency rooms because they're dehydrated mm-hmm. and don't think about how much water they're not drinking throughout the day. Mm-hmm. You, know, you couple that with how much, how much we're eating with added sodium and just loaded down with sodium and things like that. I mean, we're dehydrated, man. And it's like, you know, I ask the kids when they come to practice, I'm like, guys, look how many glasses of water have you had today? Or have you finished your gallon of water? Cause what we always recommend generally speaking again, how much water have you had? And they're like, I had a bottle of water. It's like, what are you talking about? You, <laughs> you know, like you have, like, it's the first, it is what you do first thing in the morning and it's a general prescription. You carry a gallon of water with you all day. And if you don't do that, you better know how many cups of water equal a gallon. Equal a gallon, because I'm telling you, it'll completely change your energy levels throughout the day. Yeah, one of the things I saw on on the uh, Five a Week Fitness blog that you have uh, was it said salt water. Can you? What's the? What's up with the salt water? Yeah, that's on the other end of that because again, it's the hydration level, and you're really working on how, how much how much water's actually getting carried into cells, and it's actually a really cool thing. Now, when you get to the cellular level, uh, I'm a pretty low carb person in regards mm-hmm. to really 
consuming throughout the day. It works for me. Okay. It is a simple entry point for people. They drop weight right away. But for me, I've noticed that when I add carbohydrates to what I'm eating, it makes me sluggish throughout the day. So I stay pretty low carb throughout the day. Well, what people don't think about is why people knock off weight initially when they go low carb. And the reason is, is because it's pulling water from your cells, right? A carbohydrate is a hydrated carbon. So you're literally expelling water from your cells. So you are dehydrating naturally. Well, you've got to find a way to shuttle some of that water back into your cells. And so how you play with that is you start adding a little bit of water here and there throughout the day. I don't, I don't want to give any way, any really specific prescriptions in regard to that stuff. Cause I, it's something I tinker around with all the time. Right. But yeah. Just throw a, a little bit of salt in, in the water and the pinch of salt in the water in the morning and have that with your black coffee and just, just pay attention to how you feel, man. I feel like a million bucks running like that in the mornings. Okay. So, so the morning's very important. You know, we kind of talked about having that gratitude period and, uh, and staying away from the electronics. I think that's great advice. Um, so let's talk a little bit about nutrition. You know, I think this is one thing that uh, personally, I can tell you this and, and, you know, the two or three years ago, three years ago, 2015, I was the largest I've ever been. It was my first, my first head coaching job. I was at a new school. I had a lot of stress. Uh, I just got engaged. You know, there, there's a lot of things going on. I was 235 pounds, and I, and I was like, you know what? I'm not a very tall guy. I'm five foot ten. I weigh right, too much. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sitting there looking at the mirror, like, man, you are a fat slob. You've got to get this together. So, you know, started started looking at some things and and looking at how I could get back into a manageable, you know, fitness and physique and everything. And and the one I can tell you one thing that I learned above all else. There is no hack. There is no diet. There is no, you know, there is no pill. It, it, comes, it comes down to flat out hard work. And the thing that I, I continually ask myself is how bad do you want it? You know, there, listen, man, there are no truer words, man. That, that, it, it's really that simple. Right, right. And, and I think for me personally, it comes back down to my, my choices, you know, like, no one's no one's holding a gun to my, my gun to my head and saying, "Hey, you're gonna eat this glazed donut." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, even though even though you know the little little person on my shoulder might be saying, "Hey, you know that that donut it's only it's only a small amount of calories," blah 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 blah. But I've seen personally like it's a landslide effect. You make that one choice and you let it slide that one time. Now you're opening the floodgates for all these other bad choices. You know so. Um, oh my God. Yeah. That's the thing, man. It's like the eating part of it. People go nuts. Mm -hmm. They go nuts over this eating and this diet and that diet. And like, look, at the end of the day, athletes do not diet and exercise. They train and they eat like it's eating and training. Right. It is that it, it, that is what it comes down to. Stop dieting, stop exercising, start training and start eating. Right. Like, look, man, you can go keto, you can go zone, you can go paleo, you can shun sleeping on mattresses like the cave people. You can do all those things if you want, but quite frankly, you have to – okay, how much food are you eating? How much water are you drinking? Calories count. Law of thermodynamics. You can argue that all you want, but it is an absolute science. You know? Right. And, uh, ultimately, though, and that goes right back to the, the book and journal, is like you have to record – what you're eating in a notebook and be honest in that notebook and how it affects you throughout the day, you know? So if you, uh, if you eat big, a big, 
lunch is a pile of pasta at lunchtime. You're eating spaghetti for lunch and you feel like crap afterwards. Like your body's talking to you. Right. You know, your body is trying to tell you, I don't like what you're doing. Stop doing this. If you're crushing pub sub, an entire pub sub every day at lunchtime and you feel horrible, then listen to your body. Yeah, you, you, probably, know, you, go, you probably shouldn't have ate that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If you go home and drink a gallon of milk after work and you fart everybody out of a room and you shouldn't <laughs> for the next six hours, like, come on, dude, you might want to listen to your gut. It's telling you, like, if I'm driving down the road and my truck starts making God awful noises, it's like going nuts. Like, I'm going to pull over and look under the hood. Your gut works the same way. Like, it's going to tell you, just listen. Right, right. Yeah, when I was in college, I was, it was my, uh, you know, once again, I've kind of, I've kind of, I've always had that bigger frame, you know, and I, the fatter frame and, and, and I can put weight on in a heartbeat if I want to try. And, and, uh, and when I was in college, what I did was, uh, you know, I, I met up with the college dietitian or whatever. And that was the first thing she told me was track what you're eating. And that's really, I mean, it's really great. It's really great advice. Cause you, you don't realize how bad you're eating until it's right there in front of you on paper. <laughs> Yeah, and so you see those 12 little mini Milky Ways you crushed after work? Like, right. you don't know what you're actually piling down the gullet. Right. You know, it, right. man, it's like, and how many people come home and they got all these things going on all day long, and it's, it's so many things outside of their control, and they come home and they just open up the pantry and they just go to town and don't realize some of the psychology behind that. Like, look, man, people eat for that reason because they're in control. Like, you put a box of Oreos in front of me after I've had a terrible day and I've been, all of these things are happening. These external factors, things, things are going on that I have no control over. Well, guess what? I open that pantry and I open those Oreos and I am choosing to eat 24 of them. That's the psychology. You're doing that because you're in control of it. And it's like one of those, again, those little things that you, if you don't sit down and think about those things, it would just never come to mind. Let me ask you this, because this, and this is, this might be the million, million dollar question. If, if we all had the answer, we'd all be rich, but so I think more people than not actually had th th that exact example you just gave about the Oreos and the control that that's a large portion of our society right now. You know, I, oh, I, God, there's no question, man. No so, question. So from everything that, you know, and everything that you've kind of studied, what are the best ways to kind of mitigate that? I think again, like you just said, man, if there was a single, answer to that i'd be making a whole lot more money than i do right i think what you have to do ultimately is find little ways throughout the day to cultivate discipline like you have to man you have to now i will tell you this too the oreos don't talk to me but the potato chips do my friend my wife knows like <laughs> she brings potato. i've never met a potato chip i didn't like dude and if it's in the pantry at night after a football game and we've been cranked up for a couple hours and it's a tight ball game, this, that, and the other, however it happens to go, I'm coming home and I'm crushing it for mm -hmm. that very same reason we just got done talking about. But you got to know when you can do that and you can't do that. But I think the only way, really the only way to get out of those habits is to cultivate discipline as much as you possibly can. And it can seem like a little victory here or there, but you just have to learn to know, say no and walk away. And again, if I can do that in regards to that box of Oreos, that bag of potato chips, I can do it in a lot of other areas of my life as well. Yeah. And that, that leads us to our next, our next point is exercise. And my question is this, you know, I, I see this, a lot of fitness gurus and, and people like that, people that, that look like they know what they're doing, their physique matches their mindset. I'll tell you that is, can you, can you quote unquote earn it? And what I mean by earn it is, you know, like I've heard some people say, 
hey, if you want to have, you know, uh, the potato chips or you want to have the cookies, make sure you earn it first. Do you, do you believe that you can do that? Like if you, you know, if you do 30 minutes of rigorous exercise, you know, it's okay. To, it's okay to eat those things. Uh, denying the existence of metabolic freak shows is futile. Okay. There are people out there that can get away with things, right? But for most of our species walking around, no, like you don't do that. And that's like one of the things that drives me the most crazy is, you know, just think about it. So if I sit back and I say, all right, man, I'm getting on track this week. All right. So I have a good Monday and a good Tuesday and a good Wednesday. That's great. You're 72 hours in. It takes 72 hours to start to see and feel and really express the effects of you changing the way that you're eating. Mm-hmm. If you turn around on Thursday and ruin it with, with 12 hot and ounce from Krispy Kreme, <laughs> dude, it takes 72 more hours to fully recover from that. Right. And like, look, and like I said, man, look, I li- I have three little kids. We go to birthday parties, that stuff's around. You just have to learn how much you can and can't get away with. And, and I mean, like, look, I, I like, chocolate cake and stuff like that but you just have to know what you can and can't get away with people are built differently but at the same time you know there are certain things that apply to all people and you just gotta you have to mindfully approach food the way that you would anything else right let me ask you this so for you personally because this is you know you know there's a not not two people are alike and and you you personally i know from you're always in good physique. So, so you, you have a really good physique. You know, I, I would never, no one would, would probably be able to call you fat by any stretch of the, of the, of the matter. What are your goals now that you're, you're kind of like, I would just say this, you know, humbly, you, you are kind of where I would love to be one day. So, so, but my question to myself would be is once I get there, then what? Well, that's, you know, I, you know, I appreciate that, John. I, but here's the other thing. Like, I think you also have to look up and find little things to train for periodically. Right. Um, look in, like when you're starting out, you're looking for motivation. You know, when you're a few years into doing it, the motivation comes like when you're in second, third set in. I read that up. I did not make that up just so everybody knows. I uh, actually saw that on a meme the other day or a poster on uh, T Nation that I came across. It was just, that's so true, man. It's so true. It's that I know that that 45 minute, investment that I make in the morning is going to make me that much better throughout the day. I don't look, man, I don't feel right. I, that's for me now, anything it's, it's as much a therapy session as anything else for me. Like I know that I'm going to be a better teacher and a better coach and a better dad and a better, everything I need to be. If I put 45 minutes in a day, five days a week, and it doesn't have to be much, you don't have to go crazy. Like, look, there's all these crazy programs out there when people are jumping and gyrating and it's high intensity and they feel crushed afterwards, just hold up. You don't have, you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You have to consistently move for 45 minutes a day, five days, five to six days a week. And you, again, you can start to develop the body that you want. But again, you'll also see that carry over into everything else that you're doing. Like if we're being honest here and we're looking at, all right, if I'm going to stand in front of kids in my classroom or at practice or in the weight room. And I'm going to say, you got to have goals. You got to know what you want. You got to know where you want to go. You got to have discipline in your life. Then it's nothing but a disservice for me to not live the same way. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. 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 No, for sure. And like I said, and like, look, if nothing else, exercise is not fun. It's not meant to be fun. It's really not. It's really not fun. Like nothing's chasing us and threatening our existence, but the threat of getting eaten by something is virtually nil. You live in the, we live in the modernized world. 
Right. You know, they don't go out into the forest collecting acorns to eat like my, some of my students think I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, I'm, not, not, I'm not out you know, hunting and foraging and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Right. The, in the pantry, man. It's in the pantry. I can even call Publix. Publix, I, I, I think somebody told me the other day, Publix will deliver food to your house now. Oh, yeah. It's, it, oh, with, with, everything, with everything we got with technology, I mean, cell phones. You could literally sit in a in a lazy boy all day, and, and and everything would be done for you. You can work from your phone, you know. You can buy everything off Amazon; it'll be delivered to your doorstep, and you can even order your food, and it'll be delivered to your doorstep too. And I'm sure if you pay the guy a little bit more, he'll walk it up to your lazy boy. There's no doubt, man. And it's just like, oh my gosh, no wonder we are the way we are right now. We are just look like. Let's just be honest here. On the whole. We're doing less and less and less and less and less, and we're filled with more and more and more calories that are just not bringing anything beneficial to our bodies. Man, we are overfed and undernourished, and there's a reason for it, and it's because of things like that. The foods in the pantry, man. Lions and Tyrannosaurus rexes are not chasing <laughs> me around. Right. Like, I have to escape them. I think the simplest remedy for a lot of people getting started is to just get that first again and it takes a little bit like that those first few weeks under your belt and then find something to train for you know what i mean whether you're going down doing the uh i forget what the race is called here it's the first week of february it's the, the climb for air i believe it is something to that effect or you're going mm-hmm. down to do the river run or you're gonna you know you want to be a fire breather by memorial day and run out with the, the navy seals and go crossfit murph mode like whatever it is man you got to find something to train for periodically it's fun that's training versus just exercise which is boring yeah, no, that was, I was just going to ask you that is, is because we, we kind of started the conversation with athletes and training and instead of diet and exercise. So I, I think you just answered it. You know, you gotta, my question was going to be, if we're not, if, if, if our listeners are not athletes per se, how do they get motivated? And I think you just got, you just said it is, you got to find whatever it may be. Hey, may, maybe I want to beat my 10 year old son in a race. Yeah, dude. Well, <laughs> you know, this this Here's my thing now too. I, uh, so about three, four years ago, I tore my, my labor in my right shoulder mm-hmm. and, and I was like, Oh God, what am I going to do? I just knew I wasn't going to get cut on. Cause I really didn't want to drop the money on it, quite frankly. And, uh, so I was like, I rehabbed it, rehabbed it, rehabbed it. And I I'm getting back and I'm able to do a little bit of this, a little bit more of that. And it's been three, four years. And look, man, I'd like to get under a heavy bar and do some really heavy bench pressing, but quite frankly, my shoulders don't like it. So it's like, okay, right. Rodney, what would you rather do? Bench press or throw a ball in your front yard with your kid and race and, and chase him around the house. I don't right. know about you guys. I don't know about you, but I'd much rather play with my kids in the yard healthily. Right. Well, that's and that's and that's me person. You know, me personally, I, I, you know, I man, I, I admire these people that do CrossFit and they're freaking. You know, they're jacked and, and and they make it look easy. So every once in a while, I'll get a wild hair and I'll go into a gym and I, and I'll yeah. and I'll do this CrossFit workout with power cleans and my my form is just god awful and and uh, and every once in a while I'll tweak something in my back on the way up on the power oh, clean. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. Don't. Do it. And, 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 yeah, and that's and I and I'm and I'm starting to kind of accept that I you know I feel like I'm an old old has been, but I'm starting to kind of accept like look. You're 28 years old. Your playing days are over. You gain nothing by doing a power clean when you can't walk around the next day. Risk versus reward, my friend. I mean, right. seriously, like it's like for me now, Olympic lifts and a fixed barbell, very selectively, very selectively. That's actually where I'd been tinkering around, tinkering around a little bit. And over the last probably, I don't know, man, six to eight years, maybe a little bit less, doesn't really matter. 
the movement thing is a really big deal where people are really now getting back to like body control, fundamental gymnastics type movements. And I, dude, that's the starting place for me. If, if somebody came to me and said, all right, coach, help me get started. I'm going to say you need daily ninja. Cause you know, mm-hmm. some people don't think gymnastics sounds cool. Like I would not, I would not, you know, line our football guys and say, all right, guys, we're going to do 20 minutes of gymnastics work right now. They kind of look at me <laughs> like, that's what I say, gymnastics work. this is ninja work. Cause ninja sounds way cooler to me personally, or however right. you want to articulate. But it literally, and it's based on primal movement patterns. You're going to squat or your single leg, you hit a hip hinge, you hit a press, you hit a pull, you hit a gate movement and some kind of ab work. Dude, if you cycle through that for 15 minutes a day, five days a week, it will change your body. It'll absolutely change your body. And then people like, look, man, nothing is more torturous for me than getting on a treadmill or some kind of a stationary piece of equipment in a gym. Like I will go bonkers, man. I'll feel like a hamster on a wheel. Like mm-hmm. I'll go crazy. But if I'm out, you know, if we're just outside and I'm pr- working some kind of movements that I, that I find a little progression on and there's a bunch of that stuff, totally just a pile of that stuff right now out there. And I'm doing that for 15, 20 minutes. I'd much rather do that than get on a treadmill and just stare at a wall or a TV set for 20, you know? Mm. Oh yeah. No question. No question. So let, let's think out of the box here. You know, we've talked about nutrition. We talked about uh, exercise or, tr- you know, let's, let, you know, let's keep it with nutrition and training. We've, we've already talked about the, the importance of calling it training and not exercise because we gives us that goal. So how can we think out of the box? You know, what can we do that, that would help us, you know, small, small changes. I'm not talking about going out and buying all this fitness equipment or, you know, sp- spending a lot of money or, you know, totally changing the way we live our life. But small things that we can do that are going to are better our life at margins. All right. Thanks for getting me back on track, dude. My monkey mind will be all over. The no, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> no, I, uh, no, it's funny, but it's great. Awesome. You bring that up, man. Cause that's really like, that's kind of the fun stuff to really research and study, you know, aside from nutrition and training, you know, like, look, first off sleep, you do it. Just Google sometime how much money Americans spend on, testosterone supplements or testosterone boosters or something to that effect when the answer to testosterone issues is right under our nose and it's in our sleep. It's in our sleep. You know, I, when I, 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 I recover from training by sleeping, mm-hmm. my hormone levels return to normal by sleeping. If I cut, you know, look, no one sleeps nine hours a night. I don't know anyone that sleeps nine hours a, lot a night. My wife is, is a, the queen of sleep. And she does not sleep nine hours a night. I'd be crazy groggy if I did. But I know I'm a seven-hour guy because, again, I went back and tracked that. And I just paid attention to it. I have friends that can run on six, six and a half hours, man. And a four hour to you if you can. But just add, find a way to add 30, 45 minutes to an hour of sleep a night and watch what happens to your energy levels because it, it, it stabilizes your hormones. You know, mm-hmm. once your sleep goes down, your cortisol, your stress hormones go up. And the two tip, I very often have an inverse relationship, you know, and there's mm-hmm. so, and there's a lot of, there's a bunch of science in that that's way over my head. So I will not pretend to be that guy. Cause I am certainly not, I am always reading about and learning from other people that are, that this is what they do at a, on a professional basis and really can explain the biochemistry of the part of it. But it's incredible stuff, man. You get more sleep, more effective at life. Bang. That was the first part. The second yeah, thing you, is, yeah, you talk about, yeah, you know, you talk about sleep and, and I think that's another thing I was talking about earlier about how people, you know, the, the control thing how, how, with eating and stuff, I think sleep is, you know, 
there's a ton of Americans out there and a ton of people who have trouble sleeping. And, uh, and, and it's like, look, and there's so many factors that go into that. It's not, you, it's so hard to put just a finger on it. But at the end of the day, just think about it. If we just back up and said, again, if you're tracking all this, said, okay, if I can't sleep at night, why is that? Okay, first and foremost, the most glaringly obvious one is am I staring at a phone screen? Well, mm-hmm. turn- the second thing is, all right, what did I do that was active today? We're built to move. Our brains are built to be stimulated. We are built to move physically. Our brains have to work. Our bodies have to work. If one of those is off or if one's more cranked up than the other, it's probably going to throw my sleep off a little bit. You know, and then, of course, there's other like, of course, there's life stuff goes on, man, like people battle demons. It's just the way it is. You know what I mean? Some people are go through a couple of depressive spells and they deal with anxiety and things like that. And so there's a lot of those things that go into it, too. But it's just the most basic level. Like, OK, did I go outside today and spend time in the sunshine and be active? Well, OK, maybe that's part of it. Try that. Sun is medicine. Activity is medicine. Go try that. Try and just if, if all else fails, it's one of two things you can do. Yeah. You there? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, you put your head on a pillow and read a book, or you put on BBC World News and you pull it down to two or three. And dude, wait till the weather comes on, man. It's like food lines. You're pushing the car around the store. You want to lay down and fall asleep. It'll have you, the British accent will have you sleep in like seven minutes. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell you, you know, I I, kind of went through that monkey mind period where my sleep was kind of being deprived. And and one of the things. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that helped me, honestly, was I, I kind of told myself, like, I'm going to do so much today that I have no other choice but to sleep. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and it actually it actually worked. I mean, like, I, you know, I, I had and, and I had some of the most productive days I've ever had. And uh, so maybe sometimes, you know, that on the flip side, playing devil's advocate, maybe you're not doing enough. Yeah. And that's part of it sometimes, too. And, and like, you know, people will talk about. You know, this factor, that factor, the other talk about overtraining. And it's like, look, man, it's the end of the day. It's really hard to overtrain. Right. It's really hard to overtrain, but it's not hard to under recover if you're not eating and sleeping. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, so people will kind of point at that. And like, there's other stuff, man. Like the next thing that I have, I, I've got to take, you know, 30 seconds to mention is breathing. I, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I, if you had talked to me, if you had told me how important breathing was, I would have laughed in your face. I'd have said, yeah, dude, okay, everyone breathes. Like, we're alive. I get it. Blah, 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 blah. Once you start studying the facts of breathing on your endocrine system and how your mind operates and what it does to your heart rate, like, it is absolutely amazing stuff. Like, my breathing regulates me, period. It's the way that it is. And I can and just study like Eastern philosophies and different like meditative practices and things like that that those guys do. That is freaking awesome stuff, man. So think about it, you know. Uh, so say there's something is actually chasing you somewhere from point A to point B. All right. You're in fight or flight mode, right? What right. happens? Our breath shortens. We sound like Labradors. You know what I mean? It's those short, choppy breaths. My heart's beating out of my chest. Oh, my God. There's a threat to my existence. Fight or flight mode. Well, there's a way to turn around and breathe and pull yourself back out of that. You know, so, so it's a parasympathetic response or a sympathetic response. I'm either, I'm either upregulating or I'm downregulating. One of the, there's a guy you should probably look into a great resource. His name is Brian McKenzie. Mm-hmm. He actually is the uh, CrossFit endurance guy that's kind of branched off now and runs a website called Power Speed Endurance. And he has some mm-hmm. different 
protocols. He follows, like I said, there's a boatload of that stuff out there right now. And uh, but basically, if you get a few minutes, sit down and just Google diaphragmatic breathing and how to breathe properly. People with anxiety and sleep issues and things like that, I'm telling you, it goes such a long way at helping remedy a lot of that stuff. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, I've heard. I've heard some stuff when it comes to, to to fitness and stuff like Wim Hof breathing. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff, man. Really cool stuff. That's the ice, man. That's the guy spending loads of time in the ice and then basically freaking water with no sun, no clothes on whatsoever, and he's breathing these these himself into these like altered states. It's pretty freaking cool stuff. Yeah. So speaking of ice, is you know, I you were telling me earlier about something about you know hot, cold, and ways you can improve with that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, man. You, I, you know, if you've ever been for like a cold water swim, or you've ever you know, run out of hot water in the house because you have three kids that use up all the hot water for you to decide to get in the shower and actually get one. You get that, like, that rush of cold water. You feel the goosebumps happening. Your heart rate goes up. Well, it's a pretty similar response. So what happens is I'm upregulating, so my heart starts beating, ding, 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 from that cold water, and I get out and I get bundled up, and I can feel my system flipping the switch and going the other direction, right? For every action is equal and opposite reaction, right? Mm-hmm. So again, my heart rate goes crazy. Bang, bang, bang. Sympathetic response. I'm going nuts. I've been outside in the frigid freaking cold outside where I was in really cold water. Well, all of a sudden I get bundled back up. I come back inside. I plop my butt in a chair next to a fire where I get out of that, that cold shower and I put the clothes on and I hop under the covers and you can literally feel yourself down regulating and, sl- and slipping into that blissful, grizzly bear like hibernation state it's awesome dude it's awesome really cool stuff so let's finish up the uh finish up at margins you got anything else that you'd want to add uh look man here's just other little things i kind of wrote a few things again just to cage my monkey mind here from running all over the freaking place like i said you know between trying some cold water swims and showers and things like that you know i'm a big reading every day guy and i'm big on sleep and all that good stuff but there's there's you know one other thing you got to do from time to time is take your shoes off to be active and, and move. Like you really think about it, our issues, a lot of our orthopedic issues from the midline in our low backs and hips and things like that, they don't come from our, our hips and low back. They come from up and downstream. And a lot of times we're cramming our feet into these really high dollar shoes with this inch or two or three inch heel, depending on what you're wearing and what you do. Um, and it's freaking, it ruins our knees and our ankles and our hips and our low backs. It completely ruins them. Just think about it. You know, if I stuffed my hands in the oven mitts all, you know, for 12 to 14 hours a day, like I'm, I'm definitely going to lose some manual dexterity and ability for my hands to function properly. You know what I mean? That's a good well, way to look at it. Yeah. I've never, I've never looked at it that way. Your feet work the same exact way. So why not take your shoes off and walk around outside in the sand or in the dirt and in the grass every once in a while with your feet being in touch with the ground where they're supposed to be? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just, it makes it, it does, it makes a really big difference for people. Just look up rates of Achilles tears for people who are in boots all day or wear heeled shoes and they go do a track workout because it shortens their Achilles. Hmm. Or if, if they're not really directly experiencing issues there, you know, they have knee issues upstream and their hips are bothering them and their backs are bothering them. And it's literally a ground up thing. It's working up and downstream the kinetic chain. Pretty cool. Again, all cool stuff that I geek out to, and I don't want to be so brief about everything that I'm saying because I know I'm machine gunning through a lot of stuff, but just all really, really neat stuff that totally fascinates me. And like I said, man, it's just finding little ways to be better at life in general. Yeah. yeah. Everything that you do, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No question. And, uh, 
man, it's been it's been a lot of great stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on here. We're creeping up towards an hour, and uh, which is fine. And it's been uh, a lot of stuff that that people can take away, and, and I think that um, we're gonna definitely help some people today. So some fun some fun questions that I got for you here. So who would you say have been your biggest role models? Oh man, there's no doubt. My listen, man, that I, I can answer that definitively without even hesitating. My coaches, man. So, and, and what the awesome part of that is that they're guys I'm still in contact with every day. You know, mm-hmm. like it's such an important thing in your life to have positive role models, man. And like, and I, I don't even, you know, people talk about the hero thing. And I think just, I, I say role models plural because there's so many different things that you can respect about so many people, you know, but you got to have them. Like, how many of us, like, how many adults walking around right now that if you walked up to and said, hey, who is your role model? Who, who are your role models? Like wouldn't have an answer. I, I think a lot of people would, you know, and I, I again, I've been so blessed in the, the world of education to be around just such awesome people. And it's one of the reasons I was, you know, when I did come back to Clay, I was like, awesome, man, what a sweet gig this is going to be. And what a blessing my life this is going to be to be around guys that have so positively influenced me. Of course, like, look, man, of course, my parents are part of that. Of course they are. You know, but for me directly in the midst of this conversation and the context thereof, like I've got to mention my coaches. Of course, I got to mention my parents and of course I've got to, you know, but my coaches are undoubtedly guys that I've looked to for a long, long time. And they're people I consider really good friends of mine. But, you know, like how many people, I mean, could you answer that question very specifically for a single person? Like who's your single greatest model? Or would you have to go through a, a few different people to answer that question? Oh, yeah. 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 I think that there's uh... a... <laughs> There's more than more than two hands worth of fingers. I'll tell you that, you know, and and uh, and you know they always, it's kind of kind of ironic. They always say when when you know when uh, people have kids, it takes a village, and forget kids, people. It takes a village for people, you know. And 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 uh, I'm the same way, you know. The the coaches that I get to work with on a daily basis, and the teachers at our at our at our school, and and our faculty, and and I mean just everybody, you know, they. Uh, they all they all motivate me in different ways, and um, and I think you know when it comes to role models, it you kind of like you said, it's more about relationships, and and when you build those relationships with people, it kind of kind of keeps you rolling. So, what would you say? What would you say is your uh, what would you say is your worst habit? Uh, <clears throat> I can be an anxious person, really. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, talk about like waking up at night and just having this and that and the other on your mind. I can definitely be that guy. You know what I mean? And I've, mm-hmm. I've definitely had some demons in regards to that kind of stuff. And if I had to learn to handle that as I've gotten a little bit older, um, I'm always a, it's a kind of a, again, it's a generalization, so it's not complete law, but depressives tend to dwell on the past and people who are anxious tend to dwell in the future. You know what I mean? If you really just backed up and looked at it on the whole, but I'm that guy that lays in bed and just kind of say, what if, 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 and it's like, like you said a little bit earlier, it's like, dude, take a deep breath. You have a really busy day coming if this doesn't happen or that doesn't happen, is it going to be the end of the world? And that's the, the big struggle for me is that sometimes it's like menial stuff. And I'm sure I know everybody at some point in time has woken up in the middle of the night thinking about things that aren't that significant in the grand order of the universe that, that mm-hmm. again, you're staring at the ceiling at night at three o'clock in the morning dwelling on, you know, but again, it's like you said, man, you just got to find a way to cope and deal with that kind of stuff. Or sometimes those things will consume you. And I, I've, it's something I've, I've definitely had to learn to, to handle as I've gotten a little bit older. I'm sure. And I'm all, you know, I'm also sure that 
you know, once you, when you had, you have three kids, you know, you, <laughs> you almost can't worry about some stuff cause you got to look out for the kids first. Oh yeah. And that's the other, you know, the prioritizing your time, you know, it's like, look, man, as a coach, it can, it consumes you. You know what I mean? You leave and it's like, pick the kids up and you get home and you're still thinking about it. And you sit down on the computer when you get home and you're still thinking about it. And then you turn the computer off cause you're sitting there having dinner with your family. And you know, my wife, God bless her, man. She puts up with me. I, I me and my quirks, you know what I mean? Just like, yeah. Uh, she's like, Hey, you good? And I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I totally drifted off there, man. I was thinking about this drill, <laughs> drill I need to do tomorrow at practice. It's like, really Rodney, just take a deep breath, dude. Be where your feet are. Enjoy right. your family. A lot of the time you're going to get it taken care of. You know what I mean? Or you will at least to the best of your ability, you know? So I would say for me, it's been the anxiety thing. Have you ever been able to have that? You got that kind of stuff going on with you at all? Oh yeah. Yeah. No question. I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, my, my wife's been a good crux to kind of keep me on track as well. You know, it's, um, and she's actually the one that, that brought that up to me a couple of years ago was, you know, cause she, she's always been really, really good in school and in academics. And she has a, you know, her bachelor's is in biomedical science and she's got her doctorate and she's very, very successful when it comes to academics and, and she's very smart and, and she and a big reason she is that way is because she puts so much pressure on herself. And, right, it's and, exactly what it stems from. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. You, you know, and because uh, no one was saying, "Hey, you had to, you had to get straight A's, or you had to do this." But in her mind, that was her expectation. So, right. you know, Respect one of the things that, that yeah. yeah, I mean, one of the things that we talked about, you know, me and her talked about a couple of years ago was how she coped with that and. And, you know, she, it's kind of like, you know, I, I guess some people call it fear setting, you know, like if this doesn't happen, what's the outcome going to be? And, and like, and you can do this with like the extremes too. Like, okay, if, if I make this statement today and I lose my job, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Right. Well, I'm not going to have a job as of this day. So I know I'm going to get my last paycheck in two weeks <laughs> and then, and then I'm going to have to live off of my savings. Okay. So then from there, you kind of go down the line. Okay. So I have $1,500 in savings. So I'm going to be able to pay like, uh, you know, one month's worth of bills or whatever. And like, you kind of go down the line and then your mind starts to realize like, if I lost my job today, while it would suck extremely bad, I would still be okay. <laughs> exactly. It's not a threat to you and yours existence. Right. 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 You know, and, and, um, and yeah, so, but I definitely have the anxiety uh, about a lot of things and, uh, learning, learning to cope with it. I, I mean, I, I want to see someone who lives, I mean, maybe like a Buddhist monk, they just don't have any anxiety whatsoever. Uh, yeah, they do. That's how they go do that, you know, <laughs> you, you, you know, but I think that, uh, I also look at it from a, you know, a, a glass half full perspective too. I think anxiety, you know, sometimes is a good thing because if you're not, if you're not worried about getting better, then what are you worried about? Yes. Right, right. If you're not worried about making, you know, making good choices and, and doing things the right way and stuff like that, then what are you worried about? Oh, that's exactly. And that's, and that's a lot. That's the root of a lot of that. It's, you know what I mean? Like, how do we get better at this? How do we get better at that? I got to make sure I take care of this, that, and the other, because you're setting standards for yourself. Like if you, if you, are never anxious about anything. I would, I have to question the standards that you're setting for you and what you do professionally. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. So Rodney, what would you say is your best habit? Uh, I have to be honest with you. I, I think that 
simply the simplest way to put it is I, I think being reflective and, and self-assessment, you know, and I think, I think it's such an important thing to know what you are and are not really good at, you know what I mean? And, I, and that's one of the things that I've, I've really learned here in you know, the last 11, 12 years. It's like, okay, what are you good at? Okay. I'm good at this. What are my weaknesses that, okay, well, here's what you do. You better go find people that are better than you and you copy them. You do exactly what they're doing. And after you do that for a little bit, you start to tweak the system just a little bit and just a little bit and just a little bit more to make it your own. I mean, I, I'm sure it's worked that way for you with baseball. It's like, okay, like I'm sure the entire game is not a, just a jam up, just strength for you. So you probably have weaknesses here and there that you had to shore yourself up on, right. you know? So I, I certainly did. Dude, when I first started teaching uh, my advanced placement classes in world history, I majored in history. And uh, when I first started teaching those classes, man, I had so many glaring weaknesses because it's a very non-traditional class. It was mm-hmm. a lot of history of Latin America, Sub-Saharan Africa, and Southeast Asia, this, that, and the other. And I, I didn't know how to teach the writing. So I'd go up the road to other, other teachers' classrooms, and I'd sit in the back of their classroom during, during their, uh, their study halls and some tutoring sessions and things like that. You know, and the other part of that, and like I said, I've learned from coaches around here is like, okay, who's the guy? Who's the best at uh, teaching uh, this position or that position? Who's the best strength guy around? And you go listen to that person, you know? Right. Well, I can I, attest. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can attest to that as, as more so as being a, you know, a second year athletic director. I mean, there's so. I'm sure. And not only that, the challenges of, of being one of the youngest youngest guys in the department and being the athletic director, that's, that's been a big mountain. But I think it's been a fun mountain to climb. And, and on top of that, like you said, I mean, that's a great approach. Find the guy that's the best and then go or, – or, or female. Find the person who is the best. You know, find the person that who is the best at what, at what you're trying to do and go copy them and, and – it's kind of ironic, you know, you look at people in professional sports and you look at people in, in, in big, you know, Fortune 500 corporations. These people aren't reinventing the wheel. They're not. What they're doing is taking the best practices from each arena that they can find and then making it their own. So, so I think that, you know, if there's any younger listeners out there, one of the things that you should not be ashamed to do is, is copy people. I think that's great advice. I mean, you got to, you got to make it your own in some way, shape or form, but there's no reason to, to think that, you know, that so-and-so is going to get mad. I mean, I can tell you this too, great leaders love helping people because someone helped them get, get to where they are today. So there's no doubt about it. Somebody helped them along the way. And again, if they're great people and realistic people, they'll help you out. They'll probably extend a hand. And that, that goes right back to that discussion we're having about role models earlier. You better have people to copy. Because if you really, really break us humans down we operate at pretty basic levels we are products of people that we've been around you know what i mean just like you know what i mean just little mannerisms and little things that we say that we pick up from people like the the environments that we are in on a day-to-day basis are such an integral part of our lives we don't and we don't even think about the impact that those people have on us sometimes until you realize like hey what did i just say the kid said that in front of me today or, hey, I heard another teacher say this. I really like that. I'm going to put that. Again, you're always learning from people. You should always ask people questions. Like, you got to approach people like you can always learn. And that, that's one of the things, again, when you kind of go back to the strength thing, one of the things I'm halfway decent at is asking people questions. I'm mm-hmm. not afraid to ask questions. And, like, I have not always been that way. 
You know what I mean? At certain point times, I'd say, man, I can't really know this. I don't really want to ask this question, this, that, this, or another. And I'm not to the point now where I flat out don't care. If I have a question, I'm going to ask because I want to know the answer to those. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So our last, our last question is, uh, is kind of totally a fun question. And that is if you could be any professional athlete in any sport, uh, you know, any, any type of sport, individual team sport, any, uh, professional league, what, what, what kind of athlete would you be and why? Uh, you know, again, being a football guy, like I said, growing up, I, I wrestled and all that. I, you know, I love this. I respect so many sports out there. But just, again, being a football guy, and I, I dude, I'd have to go hang out with, with the Pats in New England, man. I'd have to go <laughs> hang out with the Crimson Tide. You have, like, sustain. Okay, it's one thing to be successful. It's another thing to have sustained success over time at that level, year in and year out, and just keep coming back and keep finding ways to be successful, like, if I was, I'd have to say those guys, man. Again, not that, I, not that I'm a, a Pats fan or an Alabama fan by any means, because I am not. Matter of fact, when they put on the TV, a lot of times I root against those cats just because I'm in total hater mode. You know what I mean? Like, I do, man. I'm so guilty of that. But if you're, if I'm, like, I'm gonna be a part of something, and it's, I know it's kind of an ironic thing to say, like I'm gonna be a part of something. It's people like that in those kind of places and those organizations. Again, who's the best? Go copy them. Go be a part of it. Right. Right. Man, it's been a great show. I think uh, we've we've hit everything, I and mean, we've hit fitness and uh, and and uh, leadership and uh, just about everything I, I want to hit on this podcast. And I'm really happy that that you were able to join me. I know we kind of played phone tag for a little while, but we finally made it happen, and uh, so uh, it's awesome. So, uh, Rodney, man, I want to thank you for being on the show. Where can we find you? Tell people about your blog. I think that's a great res- uh, great resource for people. John, first off, again, thank you so much for reaching out, man, and having me today. I've had a great time. I know, like I said, I've, I've been machine gunning through a lot of stuff that I could definitely articulate on a lot more if I, we had a little bit more time. And it's already been an hour saying yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Just Rodney Keller. And then if you go, I have a, a blog I'm running right now called uh, fiveaweekfitness.blogspot.com. And then on Instagram, it's uh, Coach Keller. Don Patrol, Dad. Absolutely add me if you're interested, for sure. Again, John, I appreciate you reaching out, man. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So the five-a-week fitness blog, that if I remember right, you, you, you stay pretty up with that, like daily, weekly. How does that work? Yeah, so pretty much, I've, again, kind of going back and just kind of compartmentalizing my day, I pretty much give myself about 15 minutes a day to get on there and play around and post daily programming and things like that. And, like, look, man, I know that very – are going to follow anything to a T, but if you look on there and it's like, Oh, look, man, you should wake up and for 10 minutes in the morning and just write in a notebook and just say what you're grateful for, or do this, that, the other, and you kind of cherry pick from it. And this, that, that awesome, awesome. But you know, for other people that, you know, that maybe want to sit down and have a consultation and kind of look at their eating or their training and what they're doing here or there and in this arena or that or another, like I'm totally up for that. And that's kind of really along the lines of what I'm after right now is more consultation by, uh, type stuff. Yeah. Well, I can tell you this. I mean, for all our listeners, I mean, if, if, if that's something you're looking at and you want it, you want that life change, you know, Rodney's the kind of guy, type of the guy that's going to go to the nth degree and, uh, and you would definitely get, you know, you would get your money's worth. I mean, I, I can, I can attest to that, that he's not gonna, it's not going to be a deal where he gives you, he just tosses some program. I mean, he, he will be with you every step of your journey. So I've, uh, trust me, I've definitely contemplated doing that. And, uh, the, 
the podcast was definitely useful though, because I think a lot of the stuff you talked about here is, is something that you would do with people's programming as well. Exactly, yeah, absolutely, bro. Absolutely, man. Yep. So, all right, man. Well, I really appreciate it, and uh, and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, John. Appreciate it, man. As always, guys, we'd like to thank you for listening to the Championship Effort Podcast. Uh, uh, you can find me on the internet at Coach Scrumolo on Twitter or at Coach Scrumolo on Instagram and at John Scrumolo on LinkedIn. Once again, this is the host of the Championship Effort Podcast signing off saying, we appreciate you listen, tuning in to listen, uh, listen today to learn, lead, and win. Have a great day, everybody, and we'll be talking to you soon.